forging ahead, chapped lips and all, it's the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. The Medicare podcast par excellence. He gets the wintertime blues every winter. It's Medicare expert, Doug Jones. Well, 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 look what we have here. We've got another episode of the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. We're happy to have you. And uh, we are excited to share more Medicare knowledge with you today. It's always our favorite thing to do. And I keep talking in the third person. Why do I do that? Because you're going to meet our podcast engineer, Randy Carson, very shortly. But in the meantime, let me tell you why we're here We are here because you might be facing that uh, Medicare line in the sand. You're you're preparing to cross into the world of Medicare, and it's remotely possible that you could violate some of the rules and regulations without knowing it, or that you could select coverage that's not going to stand you in good stead for years and years, like the coverage I sell, or any number of other possible things can happen that will be less than satisfactory in outcome. I am here to help you, to encourage you to do a little bit of preparation before you make your Medicare decisions, before you come to your final course of action. And there are two ways that I can help you do that. One of them is uh, if you read my book, you will find that I have uh, diluted, no, digested. I have written a short but very impactful digest of the Medicare situation and what you can do to avoid having unhappiness uh, uh, assault you after you've been on Medicare. You know, the decisions you can make ahead of time that are going to be uh, predictors of happiness and success in the world of Medicare that you're about to enter. So if you were to read my book, uh, you would not spend very much money to buy it. You would not spend much time reading it, but you would have a vast understanding of Medicare by the time you were finished with it, much more so than almost anybody else in the United States. I highly recommend my own book, and that's, I'm sure, no surprise to you. I would say you should go to uh, uh, Barnes & Noble if you don't like giving Jeff Bezos uh, some money, or if you want to go to Amazon.com, you're going to find a wide array of of um, additions and price points. So I think that might be the place to go if you're a uh, conscientious shopper. You're going to find inexpensive versions and uh, one very kind of pricey hardcover, which is uh, probably an excellent candidate for Christmas stockings. So if you're going to be shopping for Christmas gifts for people that are approaching age 65, that would be a really good gift for them. So anyway, we have um, uh, the uh, episode for, <laughs> that I'm so excited about because my wife is undergoing knee surgery, knee replacement surgery, and uh, she was given a manual. Uh, and the manual is uh, turns out to be pretty fascinating reading. So I've been spending a few episodes uh, sharing the contents of the manual that she was provided with. And Randy, is, uh, his knees are both in excellent working condition, and he has no reason 
to uh, care one way or the other about knee replacement surgery, but yet he finds himself fascinated by the information that Mary brought home from the doctor's office. So how are you doing, Randy? Are you excited about another episode of knee replacement uh, preparation and uh, and uh, surgical uh, interesting information? Yes, absolutely, because I don't know if I've ever told you this, but way back in the day, there used to be on public television an, uh, a show called The Operation. And I was just fascinated by this show because on rare, I mean, they did a number of different types of surgeries on the show. Sure. And obviously my wife saw no humor in watching this stuff and would always, you know, run the other way. So she was but disgusted found, by it, huh? Yeah, I found it fascinating. So the um, there was surgeries, you know, heart surgery. There was any kind of, num- any number of different types of surgeries. But one of them that I was particularly interested in was orthopedic surgery. No kidding. And wow. uh, it's, now that's, it's, how old were you when you were watching this? Because if you were like a little kid, I would say that's kind of scary. No, I was in my 20s. Oh, okay. 20s. Okay. Yeah. I, I found it incredibly interesting because, and this is probably not the way to describe it, but I used to look at things they used, you know, wrenches and screws uh-huh. and drills and wire. And yep, going, yep, yep. Hmm. That's a lot like being a carpenter. Well, or being a an automotive res- restoration expert. Yes. And the other thing I found very interesting was the surgeons had to be, in my opinion, and I'm no expert, but in my opinion, an orthopedic surgeon has to be very much on their toes because they really don't know what they're going to get into until they get in there. That's what happened with Mary's last knee replacement. She's already done one knee that was three and a half years ago. uh, And the uh, surgeon The surgery was predicted to take a certain amount of time, and it went way over. And the reason I was acutely aware of that was I was sitting in the hospital waiting room, which was spacious and comfortable, but there was a very irritating uh, (laughs) uh, uh, person or couple that joined me. And uh, this, I think this woman was Russian, and uh, she kept stamping her foot on the floor and doing other irritating things that just, I was just trying to read and, you know, be lost in thoughts. But anyway, eventually the surgeon came out and it was much longer uh, than he had predicted. And he plopped down in the chair next to me, like he was exhausted. And he said, well, you know, she has some arthritis and her bone is softer. So we had to add an extension to the knee you know, equipment that we put in there by this time, I'm I'm saying, don't tell me anymore. I don't want to hear it, but that's what took extra time on the fly. They had to figure out what was different from the textbook to her particular knee and how right. to connect it. Right. So I, so we ran into that experience. And I got to tell you, when you talk about orthopedic surgery, if I had known that you had an interest in that back when you were in your twenties, my godfather, um, and I think he was my godfather because he was a close family friend, was an orthopedic surgeon in Oklahoma City, and uh, he was just highly revered. I think I've told you that when I was a little kid, like a ten-year-old, uh, we would go over to his house, and the adults would sit around and get schnockered. And he had an elevator. He had a three-story house in Oklahoma City, and I would okay, just write yeah. up down of the elevator i thought that was a lot of fun i think I, there might have been something wrong with me that you know that's how <laughs> as a 10 year old i enjoyed spending time was riding up and down in the elevator but uh, he 
was uh, an orthopedic surgeon who uh, perfected, I was told, this was family lore, he perfected laparoscopic surgery, not laparoscopic, arthroscopic surgery. And Mm -hmm. one of the first people he used it on was Gail Sayers. He was able to put Gail Sayers back on the ball field the football field for a few seasons. I don't think he ever attained his uh, prior glory, but he was at least able to play and uh, cool. without, without uh, surgery or without pain and suffering and so forth. Well, that's hot. That is, I love those kind of stories. Well, this guy was a wonderful guy. He used to send me, uh, you know, like a $5 bill every Christmas or every birthday or something like that. And I would write him a thank you note. And and uh, I, I feel like I should have done more for him because he was at some point he died and uh, and uh, he was gone from my life forever. But <clears throat> last December and January, as you know, we were home um, collecting all of the family history and putting it into boxes and putting those boxes into uh, shipping containers so that I could sell our house in Illinois and going through a bunch of this stuff. I found um, his obituary in several different publications and he was named the father of sports medicine. And that's something wow. that nobody in my family ever told me that he actually, you know, accumulated all of the procedures that people would now consider to be uh, part of sports medicine. So he kind of created that as, you know, at least they were giving him credit for it. So had you wanted to be an Arthur or a, uh, an orthopedic surgeon, I could have introduced you to, and uh, he would have told you uh, what you needed to do in order to uh, attain your goal of being an orthopedic surgeon, which I'm sure would have scared the crap out of you. And you would have said, I'm not doing that. Oh, I don't think I want to do that. But anyway, yeah, I, but, all that kind of stuff just fascinates me. The other thing that fa- all I don't know why maybe I should have been a doctor probably, but uh, I, all kinds of surgery fascinates me. The other thing that fascinates me is neurosurgery, and I and I find it incredibly interesting, as you know, that the brain itself uh-huh. has absolutely no feeling. Right, there is no pain. There is no pain. It doesn't. There's no feeling. There's no pain. There's no nothing of the brain itself. Right, right. They can poke around in there. You could, you could take a spoon and actually lift the skull off and and eat the brain if you wanted to, and it wouldn't wouldn't disturb the person whose brain you were eating. At least that's what I was led to believe uh, by Doctor uh, what's his name, the uh, Silence of the Lambs guy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so, but it's true, and I find it. You know, I find the interesting part is, you know, what now they're doing like, uh, you know, deep brain stimulation, trying yeah. to, you know, control tremors and all that kind of stuff. Sure. sure. When, when they're trying to map where the probe should go, you know, the, you know, the, the person has to be awake. Yes. So, so going, they can well, they can report their feelings and so forth. That's right. That's right. A little um, on the and, spooky side to me, but if the person has a serious enough problem then that's the necessary uh, solution for that uh, problem. Then I'd say go ahead and do it. I don't remember which particular artist this was, artist as in musician, Uh but he was going through deep brain stimulation mapping. And the way they could tell whether they were in the wrong spot or the right spot was he just basically sat there and played his guitar through the surgery. And when he, when he, you know, when he started going, you know, south on playing the guitar, they knew they were in some territory they shouldn't be. Wow. Now, that's interesting. I would not have thought about that as a way to 
get a feed or get feedback on the effect of uh, their probing. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I've never had the love of medicine that you say you have, but I do love reading about uh, knee replacement surgery. And yes, we are now, absolutely. We're, we are now up to my favorite part of all medical treatment. And I, I can't wait to share this with you. This is pretty exciting well, for me. Let's go on and do that. Doug. The, the, the title of this particular section of the book that Mary was given by her surgical uh, practice is anesthesia. I love the thought of anesthesia. I don't like to feel pain. Randy, when he uh, suggests an anesthetic uh, uh, to me, he basically waves a, a piece of leather in the air and says, "Here, this was good enough for my grandpa. It was good enough for my pa. And it's good enough for you. But um, I, on the other hand, am more sophisticated in my my appreciation of anesthesia. So here is what the book says. Now, this is what's going to be handed to a lot of knee replacement patients coming up soon. So it says you will be interviewed and examined by the anesthesiologist. The anesthesia provider will talk with you about the types of anesthesia used during surgery. General anesthesia puts you to sleep following an injection of medications into your IV. You will not feel pain, and you will be completely asleep throughout your surgery. This type of anesthesia will typically require a breathing tube during anesthesia. Now, a regional anesthesia numbs a part of your body with an injection of local anesthetic. For knee replacement surgery, regional anesthesia may involve injections around the nerves in your leg. Uh, the anesthesiologist will then provide a second medication that will cause you to sleep, though not as deeply as you would with a general anesthesia, and typically will not require a breathing tube. Once the operating room is prepared for you, the anesthesiologist will take you back to the operating room on a gurney. Your family fr or friend <laughs> or your coach, it doesn't say your coach, what about your, your knee replacement coach? That's me. Anyway, your family slash friend will be escorted to the waiting area. That means uh, they're going to drag me out of there, which is just fine, because I don't think I would appreciate seeing people hacked open uh, with uh, surgery on the doctor's mind. Upon arrival in the operating room, you will be placed on the OR table and anesthetized according to the anesthetic plan discussed with you in the preoperative area. This will typically take 10 to 15 minutes. The next section is surgery. Once you are anesthetized, the surgery team will reposition you on the OR table in preparation for surgery. This takes another 5 to 10 minutes. I don't know why it would take so long but uh, to reposition someone, but uh, the surgery team will then wash their hands and scrub in. This takes another 5 minutes. Once the surgery team is sterile, they will prep and drape the operative extremity according to sterile techniques. This takes another five minutes. Oh, geez. The clock is ticking. Once the extremity is sterilely pre uh, prepared for surgery, the entire OR staff, including nurses, subtext, and uh, subtext, anesthesiologist, and surgeon, will break for lunch. Oh, nope, that's not what it says. It says they will hold a formal time out. To reconfirm your your identity and the operative site. Well, my wife's going to have uh, two things written on her legs. One says yes, one says no. 
and I'm going to make sure that they do not accidentally operate on the knee that she had replaced uh, uh, years ago. So this, uh, let's see, they're going to uh, recheck the surgery to be performed prior to making an incision. This is one of the many controls to keep you safe. This takes about one minute to perform. The surgeon will then initiate the surgery. The surgery takes about one to two hours to perform. After the surgery, you will be taken to the recovery room. The surgeon will speak with your family while you're recovering. So under the heading of recovery, it says you will recover in the post-anesthesia care unit, which they shortened to PACU. That's, um, you know, we don't, we're not the government here. We don't need to uh, have uh, the uh, letters for every single thing that we do. Um, otherwise known as the recovery room. I think that's, that's sufficient for me. The average time in this unit is approximately four hours. While you're there, the nurse will check your vital signs frequently. Anesthesia will wear off. Your pain medications will be started. You will be given oxygen to help you breathe if needed. You will wear compression devices on your lower legs to help prevent blood clots. Your surgical site will be wrapped with a cold pack to reduce swelling and pain. The nurse will check your incision. You will receive IV fluids and antibiotics. You may begin eating. You will begin working with physical therapy on sitting, standing, and walking, and your ability to meet discharge criteria will be assessed. You will work with RNs and a physical therapist or physical therapy. You will work with RNs and physical therapy in an effort to meet discharge criteria, which includes the following pain control, safe ambulation, that means walking on your own with a walker. Ability to safely ascend or descend stairs if needed. Ability to urinate without a catheter. Uh, the, you have to be able to eat without significant nausea or vomiting. On average, patients discharge home four to five hours after their surgery. All right, these people don't use English the same way the rest of us do. On average, patients should be discharged or are discharged home after four to five hours after their surgery. It's extremely rare for patients to fail to meet the discharge criteria on the same day as surgery. In the rare occasion that this occurs, it's usually due to post-operative issues such as poor pain control, nausea, vomiting, or the inability to empty their bladder on their own. This can lead to an overnight stay, albeit this rarely occurs. If it does occur, patients are legally only allowed to stay in the center for a 23-hour observation. Any stay beyond that will require transfer to a local hospital or to our integrated extended care center. And then they explain the integrated extended care center. Our recovery care center offers a medical luxury hotel setting for your recovery. I like that luxury part. I wonder if they have space for the uh, the knee replacement coach to uh, also participate in the luxury hotel setting. Most local patients will go home the day of their orthopedic surgery. However, some patients, notably our medical tourism orthopedic patients, I guess those are people from other areas who have traveled uh, to uh, receive their surgery at this location. Uh, those people may require extra time or a place to recover peacefully with personalized medical care on the night of their surgery. 
Our recovery care center is ideal for these patients. With just three rooms in our facility, your stay here will be quiet. Oh, <laughs> I was so excited. I thought I thought it was going to be more fun than that. Your stay will be quiet. Oh, boy. I'm, there's a comma there, so I may have missed some detail. Your stay here will be quiet. So arriving home, no matter how much you prepare for your homecoming, it will be an adjustment. It is not uncommon to experience anxiety and concern. It is important, however, to relax and focus on your recovery and rehabilitation. Now, the activity says here are the activities that you can do. Continue your exercise program and increase activity gradually. Your goal is to regain knee motion, strength, and function. Closely follow all therapy instructions. Resume activity as you gain strength and confidence. When you are not active or participating in your rehabilitation therapy, it is important to elevate the leg above the level of your heart. You will need to do this multiple times a day. It's common for swelling of the knee and the leg to occur, particularly after activity. Elevation can assist with reducing swelling. Note, place pillows under the calf or ankle and not behind the knee when elevating. You may apply ice directly to the knee or through cooling ice machines. If you are interested in a cooling ice machine, please ask our surgery coordinator about obtaining one through our practice. Continue, uh, continued exercises in this early stage, despite possible discomfort, is very important to achieve the best outcome with your new joint replacement. Do not sit longer than 30 to 40 minutes at a time. Use chairs with arms in order to help yourself stand up using your arms. You may nap if you are tired, but do not stay in bed all day. Frequent short walks, either indoors or outdoors, are key to a successful recovery. You may experience discomfort in your operative knee. This may lead to difficulty sleeping at night. Unfortunately, this is also part of the recovery process. Getting up and moving around relieves some of this discomfort. Fortunately, this nightly discomfort does not last very long. Taking pain medication prior to bed can help to manage the discomfort. It is okay to climb stairs with support. Climb one step at a time, up with the good leg, down with the bad. This mnemonic, mnemonic helps to remind you to ascend stairs using the non-operative leg first and descend stairs using the operative leg first. Wow, that doesn't that sounds a little counterproductive. Um, then using your non-operative leg to do all the heavy lifting. Ugh, boy, it's a little scary. Do not lift anything after heavy surgery. Avoid lifting objects in a position where you need to squat or bend. Avoid climbing ladders. Your surgical team will inform you when it is okay to start lifting, kneeling, squatting, and climbing. This usually occurs four to six weeks after surgery. I don't know if I can wait that long for all the yard work and home maintenance that I expect uh, my wife to do. I uh, certainly will be asking the doctor sooner than she uh, uh, expects that I will about getting up on the roof and you know gutter cleaning and painting and so forth. But I'll give her a few days to uh, recuperate, and hopefully that'll be enough for her to get back to work at her former level. Anyway, uh, this is probably as good a place to break as any, Randy. This thing, this is going to turn into a 10-episode arc, I can tell right now. We've got a lot more information. And I yeah. hope those people that are thinking about replacement surgery are going to get 
something out of this because well, the, yeah, end, I find, the end result is worth it, isn't it? Don't you think? Yeah, I, I find it incredibly interesting. And obviously, if you haven't been through one of these types of procedures, you wouldn't know what all was going to happen uh, unless somebody wrote it down. And I, I think these types of books, even though when they hand it to you and you're looking at it going, oh, my God, do I need to study this thing? I, I find that I think they're a good thing, ultimately, Doug. I think I they're agree. a really good thing. I think there's some silliness here. They could have asked me to proofread the thing before they published it, but they didn't. So I'm going to poke fun and point fingers at them in certain places. But on the other hand, it really is helpful for somebody that's facing surgery that may never have had any kind of a, a procedure like this before to be assured that they're in good hands and that uh, these people know what they're doing. Well, yeah, and absolutely. If you haven't had any type of procedure before, you really don't know what you don't know. I mean, ultimately, you're going to get home. You're going to, well, I'm going to go home and I'll, you know, I'll be hopping around the kitchen on my good knee. No, you won't. <laughs> yeah. I had this happen to me back in 02. I woke up one morning. I had massive back pain and it turned out to be my sciatic nerve. Uh, I had ruptured a disc in my spine and it was rubbing on my sciatic nerve causing horrible pain. And so I, you know, after testing and being advised by an excellent surgeon, you're going to need surgery. Uh, but you can, you know, he said, I'm not going to operate on you until you're begging me to. And I was in horrible pain, but I tried everything else. I went to a couple of witch doctors and I went to a chiropractor. Oh, that's the same thing. Um, the, uh, the whole thing was, I finally called this guy up and I said, okay, I give up. I'm, you know, I'm ready for you to do your worst. But they did it in a place, kind of, that sounds like this uh, luxury hotel setting. Once the surgery was over, I had to stay overnight. But I had uh, really, I was able to smoke. <laughs> and uh, uh, the there was a big giant exhaust fan in the break room. So I was able to go in there anytime I wanted to with my rolling uh, IV uh tree it was like a hat tree for iv bags and um they ordered dinner for me and for the missus from a local restaurant and so we went out into their little living room area and we ate dinner there uh i drank two beers she was able to drink wine uh and all of this i i had um this was in 2002 i lived out in the country so basically i didn't have satellite tv at that time i had cable but it was, uh, you know, not the experience of uh, 300 channels. So they had satellite TV in this joint, and it was great. I couldn't believe all the stuff that I had been missing on television. And then I had a nurse for each eight-hour period of my day. And my particular nurse in this case uh, was a, you know, fairly youngish woman, certainly younger than I was, who came in and sat next to my bed and told me stories about her mother who had been a stripper in Peoria, Illinois. And uh, I was, it sounded like she had a fun life uh, working at Big Al's in Peoria. So all in all, I didn't mind the, uh, you know, having uh, to go home uh, afterwards. I was like in uh, excellent spirits. What disturbed me about the whole thing was exactly two years later, <clears throat> I woke up one morning with the same pain in the same spot. And the tests revealed that the same disc had ruptured again and was irritating the same sciatic nerve. So I had to go through it all again, but this time they made me do it in the hospital. So I got to tell you, the luxury hotel treatment is the way to go. 
Well, I would agree because I don't remember exactly the situation that I was in, but I I don't think I've ever been in a luxury recovery hotel because as I remember after I woke up, you know, instead of ordering, you know, like a nice filet mignon dinner for, you know, me and the wife, uh-huh. I, I remember somebody walking by with a little cart pitching pe- bags of peanuts into the room. Okay. And, well, and, you and, were not in the same facility I enjoyed. No. <laughs> no, and and ultimately, if you didn't catch your peanuts, yep. if you didn't catch that bag, they weren't coming back. So you had to get, you know, see if you could get somebody to loan you one of their grabbers oh, and, you know, fish geez. around on the floor for your bag of peanuts. Well, I got to tell you now, my experience, which was fantastic, uh, was billed to my insurance company for a grand total of $300. I imagine wow. yours yours was probably more in the neighborhood of $10 or thereabouts. Would that be correct? Yeah, and, and I think you had to pay for your own peanuts, too. I'm not oh, sure. Geez. I'm not sure. <laughs> But man, yeah, we definitely had a different experience, Doug. Very different. Well, let's try if we ever need surgery again, let's try to consult with each other before we make any mistakes. Absolutely. So we need to sign her off today. We have a overextended, expanded, uh, run out of steams down, you know, the fire's gone. What, what other metaphors can I use for the fact that we need to stop talking? Just say we're we're sick of this. We're going home. We are done. So thank all right, you so he's all not, for he's joining He's not going to use my suggestion. Let's, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> okay. Well, I need, did we, did we do our close up stuff in terms of going shopping at amazon.com? You did haven't do done any that? of that. And it's, you, you're such a masterful closer of uh, episodes that I would miss it if you didn't do it. Okay. Well, let's do that because we need to do, we need to stick to the process here Again, right, Doug. He he looks forward to this every day. He wakes up bright and early, just knowing that he's going to have a lot of stuff in his inbox that people sent to him at dbj at mlmmailbag.com. Send him a, send him a lot of stuff because he loves it. Or you can go shopping at amazon.com and buy a copy or two or three of his uh, paperback. Medicare for the Lazy Man, easiest and simplest guide ever. The 2022 version, they have green numbers. The audio version, the Kindle version, or any combination thereof will do you fine. So anyway, thank you all for joining us. You could have been a 100 different places and you weren't. You were here with us, joining us for another episode of Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. And we thank you for that because we enjoy every minute of it. And we enjoy spending with you, truthfully. So you have just spent about 32 and a half minutes with Doug Jones, the anti-insurance insurance guy, originally from Oklahoma, but now living in the high altitude mountains behind Cave Creek, Arizona, in his fortress of solitude that he tells me has high security features that I should never test. (laughs) Bye-bye, everyone.